Thanks for joining us for another God-inspired message from C3 Church Monash. Connect with us online at c3monash.org.au and we hope you enjoy today's message. Wow, amen. Thank you, Jesus. Hey, let's give God a hand. He's a miracle-working God. He's still alive and active today. Thank you for praying, church. It's just so awesome to feel just the power of the church united in prayers. We're setting people free, doing what Jesus called us to do. Hey, you may all be seated in the name of Jesus. Thank you, worship team, for taking us there, unleashing miracles in this place. Man, God is alive. He's moving. Hey, we're about to get into the Word right now, and I love what Steve Miles shared about passion. You know, when we come around the Word of God, this is where you show your passion for the Word of God. I love it. It doesn't mean you have to be loud and that kind of thing, but it's, it's a passion that you are listening with all your heart and with all your mind. You're aware that God is in this place, and by the power of His Word, He wants to speak specifically to you. So let's engage with what God wants to say today as we continue our theme on repentance. Who's loving this theme so far? It's challenging, but sometimes challenging things are good for us. And so we're talking about turning our hearts back to God. And we're looking at the book of Joel. So Joel, a very small book in the Old Testament, so it can be hard sometimes to come across it when you're just flicking through, finding something to read. But um, if you have your Bibles, please go there with me for today. We're, we're just going to do four quick scriptures. But just quickly, so the book of Joel. Joel was a prophet. And so he brought a message to the people of Judah, and he was pleading with them to repent and turn their hearts back to God, because these people had gone their own separate ways, which we have all done at times. And maybe you're, you're there right now in this stage of life. Maybe you've gone your own way, but God is calling you to repent and turn your heart back to God. And Judah was in the middle of a drought and a famine. And it's, it's unclear when this book was actually written, because uh, the book of Joel, there's no mention of kings or, um, or the time that it was written. So, so the, the historian scholars have really struggled to know when it was written. Maybe it was a prophecy um, about what, what Joel saw as a vision that he was telling the people of Judah. Maybe it was something that he spoke to them as they were in the drought. Maybe it was a couple years on. We don't know, but I guess either way, um, I guess for us, whether we can relate to it because maybe we do need to repent from something in our past. Maybe we need to repent from something that we're currently living through. Maybe today we just need to even engage in what God wants to say so we can learn about how we can repent and connect with God in the future. So regardless of when this was written, I think it relates to us. So let's just pray before we get into God's Word today. Heavenly Father, we thank you that your Word is alive and active. God, we thank you for this season that we're in as a church of repentance, turning our hearts back to you. God, I just pray over, over this word here today, God, over the words that I say. Lord, there is no way it is impossible that I can communicate to every single person in this place where they are at, what they need to hear. But God, you can do that. You can translate my words, the message that I believe you put on my heart, and you can speak it specifically to every person, young and old, man and woman, those that know you, those that don't, those that have been following you for a long time, those that are new to faith. So God, by the power of your Spirit, your Holy Spirit, by the power of your Word, God, I pray you will speak to every single person in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, let's go to Joel chapter 1, verses just 1 to 4. Just a small amount of scripture here today. This is out of the NIV version. It says, The word of the Lord that came to Joel, son of Pethuel, 
So it's talking about an invasion of locusts. Hear this, you elders. Listen, all who live in the land. Has anything like this ever happened in your days or in the days of your ancestors? Tell it to your children and let your children tell it to their children and their children to the next generation. And this is the, our main verse for today. What the locust swarm has left, the great locusts have eaten. What the great locusts have left, the young locusts have eaten. And what the young locusts has left, other locusts have eaten. Very interesting, but amen to God's word. And we're just going to stop here, just a small amount of scripture, because I'm believing that today God wants to talk to us about some of the smaller things in our lives. And I believe he's going to do it through something as small as a locust. How small is this thing? Because who knows that God can sometimes speak to you through the smallest of things. So I'm going to sit my little friend up there to keep an eye on you all. And if you fall asleep, I'm going to send him out to attack you. Hopefully he stays there. Hey, my message title for you today, if you're taking notes, if you want to talk about this in your connect groups, is Beware of Locusts. Beware of Locusts. Now, one thing I've learned about myself, and I'm not proud about it, I know I need to change, but I've learned that sometimes it is the smallest of things that can get me so angry, like the tiniest of things. Um, As a tradesman, I love working outside uh, in the Canberra spring and summer. Like, it's such a benefit um, of being a tradesman. It's incredible. But one thing I don't like about summer is that it brings flies, the tiniest of little things, because I don't know what it is about these blowflies. It's almost like there is one every day that has a mission and an assignment to annoy the heck out of me. Who knows what I'm talking about? So I might be digging away or, or in a trench laying a pipe, you know, using both my hands, sweating, and this one fly would just, that's, it's its mission today, I'm just going to annoy Ben, and it would just, just come and, you know, I'm just hitting it away, always starts calm, um, calm. but then, you know, again, hit it away, and then, you know, when you start to switch, like, I'll kill you. I will kill you. And then, you know, you think it's gone two minutes later. Zzz, tries to get in your face again. And, you know, then you just switch to the next level. Like, that's it. Come back right now. I will kill you. I will squish you. You, you know, you little demon. You know how you just switch to, like, you're just cursing this fly. And so I've learned that, you know, I can just, the smallest of little things, the smallest of insects can get me into this rage. But the thing is that the issue isn't really the fly, The issue is me and what is causing the little things inside of me that is causing me to get so angry about this little fly. You know, my enemy is not this small fly. My enemy is that small thing in me. And I think the same we can relate to whatever things annoy you or cause you to overreact or or to sin or that kind of thing is that the enemy is usually not the other person. Or the enemy isn't usually the situation. Or the enemy isn't, you know, those other little things. The enemy is us. Let me put it this way. Our greatest enemy is our inner me. Our greatest enemy is our inner me. And it's usually the small things that need to be addressed. Because it's not just the big things in life 
that can cause destruction. Sometimes it is the smaller things in life that grow and cause destruction. And I think we can see this example in nature. Now, obviously, there are the bigger things, like there are earthquakes that cause so much just destruction and loss of life. We see tsunamis, an unstoppable force that can come through and take out a village. Cyclones, once again, they can just destroy a village. Um, a, a tornado will just go wherever it wants and will just destroy whatever's in its path. Um, thank God we don't really have to deal with much of that stuff in Australia. But one thing we can relate to is bushfires. You know, the force of a bushfire that's gone out of control on a hot, windy day is so dangerous. And it is unstoppable force and people have to get out of there. But the reality is, the sad reality, that all it takes for a massive bushfire to occur is one little spark. One idiot lighting a match that wants to cause destruction. And so if you don't take care of little things, eventually they can grow out of control into big things. A disease can be spread across a nation through something as tiny as a mosquito. As we've just been reading, something as small as a locust can multiply and can destroy a whole farming community. It can destroy a whole nation of Judah, as we've just read. But it's not just about fire or disease or insects that can cause destruction. It can even be little sins. Little sins. Small sins, if not dealt with, will grow and multiply into bigger and destructive things. And this is what this morning's message is all about. It's beware of locusts. So the locusts I'm using as a metaphor today to talk about those smaller things, those smaller little sins that you don't think are important to address or bring before God or deal with, they're the things that if we don't deal with, they're things that will eventually evolve into bigger things. Amen? You know what I'm talking about? So just as it is as important to bring those bigger sins, I say bigger sins as in like the more obvious ones, like do not murder. Like, okay, that's like, let's just say that's a big sin, you know, as an example. That's what I mean by, by the smaller sins, the ones that people don't see. You know, not, not the bigger sins that are external, but the, the smaller sins that, that are inside you and me that make us rage at little flies that annoy us and, and that kind of thing. Because this is the way that Jesus put it, and I think this is the lens we have to look at sin through. Matthew chapter 5, verses 21 to 22. It's going to come up on the screen. You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But this is Jesus' standard. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. So Jesus is saying that even though you may not have acted and physically murdered someone, if you look at someone with hate in your heart as a Christian, you've actually murdered them in your heart. And I don't believe that he's saying that it's as bad as physically murdering someone. The consequences are differently. But he's still saying you still need to deal with that issue because if you don't deal with that little issue of murder in your heart, it's going to carry on and develop into bigger things. And there's another, another example he gives talking about adultery. A couple of verses later, verses 27 to 28, you have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks lustfully at a woman has already committed adultery with her in her heart. 
It's not just about the external actions. It's about the internal actions, the smaller sins that God is looking at as well. And he goes on about a lot of other issues. You know, stop judging the speck in your brother's eye and deal with the log in your own eye. You know, because the fact is, if you're judging someone's smaller sin, it's revealing that you have a bigger sin within yourself about judgment. So that's why when we come to church, we don't look at other people and what they might externally struggle with and judge them. Because internally, even though we might be hiding that sin that we have, the reality is that we all need the grace of God to be in this place and to connect with Him. So there's no judgment in this place. One person struggles with something that people see. Another person struggles and hides things that people don't see. One's not more one's not greater than the other. It's just that some people, unfortunately, you can see what they're doing wrong while you're hiding the thing that you're doing wrong. Does that make sense? Amen. So Jesus is highlighting the fact that it's not just about the big external sins that you act on that need to be dealt with. It's actually also about the other sins from within that are hidden that need to be addressed. See, God sees the small things. And this is the thing, if, if we think that the smaller things don't need to be dealt with, what we're actually doing is planting that seed and that thing will grow roots in our hearts and will grow into something that is bigger. And one scripture that I love, I think this is my favorite scripture ever. And I'm sure I'll say that again in like six months and it'll be a different scripture. But I think this is currently my favorite scripture ever. Luke chapter 16 verse 10. Because I think this is an incredible life principle. If you could live this scripture out in every area of your life, you will do well in life. It's a principle of God. Jesus said, Whoever can be trusted with very little will be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So this applies to money. This applies to relationships. This applies to discipleships. And I even think it would apply even all the way down to things like responding to temptation and to sin. For example, um, one of the commandments we are, I'm sure are all aware of is, Thou shalt not steal. That's a great commandment. Now, that doesn't just mean do not go to the petrol station with a gun and rob them. Or don't just go to the bank and rob them. Obviously, most of us probably won't do that. What that's also talking about, if we're talking about the smaller things, is when you go to Woolworths and you're in self-serve checkout, don't put down that you're buying three avocados if you're taking four. Because it's the smaller things that matter. If you can't be trusted with small, why is God going to trust you with much? You know, when you go to a cafe and you're paying for your breakfast and you know, you know that someone has, you accidentally forgot to charge you for something, do you speak up and say, oh, you forgot to charge me for this? Or do we hide behind the religious mindset of God wants to bless me today? No, God's actually testing your integrity today. And if you don't speak up about it, then you've failed in the small things. It's stealing if you willingly do it. Oh, it's a hard message to prepare. It's a hard message to preach. But God isn't interested in our comfort. God loves us so much that he wants to challenge us to change. You know, and I have been given a conviction about stealing from, from businesses, whether it's Woolworths or whether it's, you know, the coffee shop. Um, I think it's just because I'm a small business owner and I'm not perfect in this area, so I'm not trying to say I'm amazing. But I remember once I bought some plumbing materials and I was driving off in my van and I bought like three lengths of sewer pipe. But on the docket, they charged me for two. And I remember I, I felt convicted from God. Call up 
and tell them, I've got three lengths of pipe, you've charged me for two. And this is the principle of God because now the, the guys at my plumbing store know whenever I call up because they've overcharged me for something, I have such an integrity with them that they don't even question it, they credit it straight away to my account. Because if I'm going to call up because you've undercharged me, then they're going to trust me when they've overcharged me. You know, it, it's the small things that God looks at. It's the small things. What's God challenging you on about stealing? Just a thought, just a thought. All right, thank you, Jesus, challenging us all today. You know, talking about repentance isn't always going to be a feel-good message initially. It will feel good when we apply the things of God we learn. And so, you know, I'm sorry if it's not a feel-good message today, but it's good for our soul. It's good for our heart. Once again, if you... Can't, if you can't be trusted with small, then I'm not trusting you with bigger things. This was the thing for me. I'm not bringing that curse into my life and into my business. Because th this is the thing, the principle. Um, let's just say, talking about tithing. If you can't be trusted with hundreds, why would God give you thousands? If you can't be trusted with thousands, why would God give you tens of thousands? If you can't be trusted with tens of thousands, why would he give you hundreds of thousands? If you can't be trusted with hundreds of thousands, oh, that's too much to tithe now, then why would God trust you with millions? God looks at the smaller things. If you need a breakthrough, what are the smaller things that I can show God I'm faithful with so he'll come through and entrust me with more? Amen? Here's another one. If you can't deal with the lust of the eyes as a young man, what makes you think you're going to be able to do it when you're an old man? Beware of locusts, small little things. If you don't deal with small little things now, they will take root in your life and they'll multiply and they'll come back in thousands. And before you know it, the field that you had will be eaten up and all alive. And you'll wonder what went wrong. What went wrong was the small things that we didn't repent from. Come on, it's a, it's a challenging word. I'm not preaching this one for popularity. <laughs> not that I ever am, but, you know, it's, yeah, I might get some things thrown at me soon, but, but God's, God's challenged me as much as I'm challenging you, I hope, because this is just the word of God. It, it's great. Beware of locusts. And this is the funny thing I saw in this scripture. There are many different kinds of locusts. There's not just one. Let's go back to verse 4, because look at how many different kinds of locusts there is in just this one scripture. What the locust swarm has left, then the great locusts have left. Sorry, have eaten. What the great locusts have left, the young locusts then have eaten. Then what the young locusts has, has left, other locusts have eaten. And I was like, what does this mean? What does this mean? It's so random. There's so many different types of locusts. And so, um, oh, I didn't bring my Bible up. Shame on me. But my notes are in my, scriptures in my notes, all good. But I, I opened up my Bible, and you know how sometimes it has like the footnotes? It's like have a scripture and it'll have this little like A or something next to it, and there's a note below. So I was like, yes, this is going to tell me. And it just says, um, the precise meaning of the four Hebrew words used here for locusts is uncertain. It's like, oh, it's uncertain. It's like, all right, I'll look at other versions then. Let's do this. So we're going to go through five different versions and see what this is talking about for locusts. Who loves the New King James Version? Pretty good, pretty good. All right, this is what the New King James Version says. What the chewing locust left, 
the swarming locust has eaten. What the swarming locust left, the crawling locust has eaten. And what the crawling locust left, the consuming locust has eaten. Who loves the New Living Translation? Yeah, a couple. After the cutting locust finished eating the crops, the swarming locust took what was left. After them came the hopping locust and then the stripping locust too. Now, who loves the message version? We can't be friends. No, just joking. What the chewing locust left, the gobbling locust ate. What the gobbling locust left, the munching locust ate. What the munching locust left, the chomping locust ate. Uh, ate. The amplified version. What the gnawing locust has left, the swarming locust has eaten. What the swarming locust has left, the creeping locust has eaten. And what the creeping locust has left, the stripping locust has eaten. In judgment of Judah. Last one, King James Version, the original. That which the palmer worm hath left, hath the locust eaten. And that which the locust hath left, the canker worm has eaten. And that which the canker worm hath left, the caterpillar has eaten. Who's confused? <laughs> so in conclusion, we have... Swarms of locusts, great locusts, young locusts, chewing locusts, swarming locusts, crawling locusts, consuming locusts, cutting locusts, hopping locusts, stripping locusts, gobbling locusts, munching locusts, <laughs> chomping locusts, gnawing locusts, creeping locusts, palmer worms, canker worms, and caterpillars. <laughs> now, I'm no Bible scholar, and this is, so this is not what it means. Okay, but this is what God showed me for today's message. Does that make sense? So Ben taught that this means this. No, it doesn't. I don't have that depth and that research. But this is what God showed me for today, is that no matter what sin it is in your life that is eating you up from the inside, no matter what sin it is that has caused devastation, no matter how big or small, cutting or stripping, consuming or gnawing, chomping or munching, no matter what locust it is in your life that's eating you up from the inside, God wants to forgive you of your sin and he asks that you will humble yourselves and <laughs> repent and call on his name because Jesus... Jesus has paid the price for every sin it is, no matter what it is, how great or small. His blood was enough. His grace is enough. And the presence of God is here today to set you free from that sin that is holding you back in Jesus' name. Because that God is a God of redemption. Because if you continue to read Joel, after God has asked them to return to him through repenting, he then shows his compassion and love for them. Joel 2 Verse 25 to 26, he says, I will repay you for the years the locusts have eaten. What have you lost because of some sin in your life? We've all lost something. We've all lost something. But God says, when you bring it to me in repentance, I'm a God of redemption, restoration. I can restore what the great locusts and the young locusts, the other locusts and the locusts swarm, all types of locusts, my great army that I sent among you. You will have plenty to eat until you are full, and you will praise the name of the Lord your God, who has worked wonders for you. Never again will my people be shamed. That's what God does when you repent, is he forgives you. He wipes your sin away. It is no more on his record, and you can be released from the shame, which is not from God. That's from the devil. Awesome. Can I get the worship team to come up? Because I just want to pray in the presence of God. I believe God's been speaking to you, hopefully specifically, about some little things in your life that you know you need to deal with. 
Let's all stand to our feet just in honor of the presence of God. If you're physically able to do that, please stand. So I just believe that we're just going to have a moment right now where we're going to bring just some small things to God. Just in conclusion, like I was saying, it's, it's the smaller things that we need to bring before God. God. God sees and He cares about the smaller things. If you can be faithful, I believe, in bringing the smaller things to God in repentance, I believe He will stop them growing deeper and becoming big things. The bigger things, yes, are more destructive. Yes, they carry more consequences. But don't, don't, be, don't be fooled. These little things here, these little locusts that eat away on the inside have to be dealt with. So right across this place, I'm not going to ask you to come to the front. God knows what you're, what you're saying to Him in your seat. We're just going to, in the presence of God, just as a worship team, just quietly play. Why don't we just start praying? And even if you just want to do it under your breath or in your heart, what are some of those smaller things that right now God might be speaking to you about? Maybe there are some big things you want to repent from as well, and that's great. But I believe let's, let's go deeper into the smaller things that are starting to manifest in ungodly ways. What are those smaller things that have started to um, distract you from God's Word and coming to church? What are the smaller things that are, that are causing you doubt and, and all those little things? Let's deal with them right now. Heavenly Father, in this place, God, I pray for every single person right here, right now, that's just bringing those small little things before you. God, we know that all of us sin and fall short to the glory of God. None of us are more righteous than the other. The only thing that makes us righteous is the blood of Jesus. And as we repent right now from the big things and even the small, tiny little things that we've done wrong, I thank you that your grace is covering every single person in this place. I come against shame in the name of Jesus. And I command it to leave right now. Lord God, I come against regret from past mistakes. I thank you that you are speaking redemption right now. God, you make all things work together for the good of those who love you and accord according to your purposes. We know that not all things we do are good, but as we give them to you, you can turn them around for good. So we honor you with that. We just hand them over to you. God, I thank you that we are leaving your house here today as free women and children of God. Because we know, God, that you are so in love with us. God, you swing wide your hands. You swing wide the heavens, Lord God. And you pour out so much blessing in our lives, more than we can ever imagine or even ask for or believe for. Thank you, Lord God. In Jesus' name. Freedom, God. I just prophesy freedom. Lives of freedom. Healing right now. I just thank you, Lord God. You're even helping us to forgive people right now for the smaller things they've done to us, some of the big things. We release them in Jesus' name. God, we forgive ourselves from our mistakes. We forgive ourselves for the consequences we've had to put up with. But today is a new day. The God of redemption is here. His name is Jesus in His mighty name. Come on, let's put our hands together. If you feel free today from sin. Amen. And hey, before we take our seats, I feel just the presence of God is here. And there are some people in this place here today that you do not have a relationship with God. You might have a background of knowing God. Uh, maybe you know nothing about Him at all. Maybe you once knew God and were serving Him, but now you feel disconnected. 
I believe that in this moment, God wants to reconnect with you. And on the count of three, I'm going to ask you, if that's you, to raise your hand nice and high towards heaven, towards God, in acknowledgement that today you're making a decision in your heart to repent from sin and to turn back to Jesus and to live His way. If that's you, on the count of three, raise your hand because I'd love to pray for you and help you to reconnect with God today. On the count of three, be brave and bold. One, two, three. Who is there across this place? Come on, lift your hand right now in Jesus' name. Make sure it's nice and high. I want to see every single hand. Thank you, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. Just looking to my left. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Heavenly Father, I'm just believing that every single person in this place is leaving today with a relationship with you. God, I thank you that we know more about you now than when we first came in. God, I thank you that you have redeemed us from from sin through the blood and grace of Jesus. God, help us to extend that love to the people we meet this week. Bless us today, God, in Jesus' mighty name. We thank you for your word and love. Amen. Thanks for listening to today's message. If you have any prayer needs, email prayer at c3monash.org.au or connect with us online.